in a world where one pizza delivery driver walks into a bank with a cane that's a gun. <laughs> that's also a cane. <laughs> Strapped around his neck is a bomb. That's also yeah. a necklace. He asks for... It is not a necklace. He asks, it's basically a giant handcuff. Um, <laughs> yeah. We'll get there. He asks for $250,000. Receives $8,000. Walks On out September of the, 1st, 2003. Walks out of the bank. Immediately gets stopped by police. Seems Doesn't cool. even make it down the road. Goes into a fucking McDonald's parking lot. Seems cool, calm, and collected while police point their guns and handcuff him. He sits there until all of a sudden, beep, beep, beep. The bomb starts to beep. Frantically, he asks for help. What do the officers do? Nothing. You don't know that? No, uh, no we do. It's video kids, video <laughs> captured. You in reality, they shut down the roads and then called Bomb Squad, and Bomb Squad was stuck four blocks away because of the shutdown road. So, <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Um, in camera, kablooey. Man flies <laughs> backwards, hole in his chest. Oh, man. Pizza delivery guy, dead. Dum, dum, dum. Uh, well, he wasn't dead right then, but yeah, we'll get into that after this. Soon. Soonish. Welcome, everyone, to year two of fucking drunken jurors. So sorry. I'm Jeff. Yeah, what sorry. Happened? Sorry, we're back again. <laughs> you have my sincerest condolences. I'm Adam. Honestly, this is your fault. I'm Nick. And tonight I am drinking some wild turkey bourbon. Um, tonight a wild turkey piss. That would be awful. It'd be tonight, a horrible thing to just be drinking. <laughs> I am drinking. Um, I know this isn't true, but I'm going to say it is. Tonight I'm drinking leftover alcohol from the Taskmaster special because I talked really loud. But I'm drinking leftover alcohol from the Taskmaster special. Because this is definitely recorded after that. Yes, it is. And because <laughs> I am the professional I am, I have I actually have no idea what this is. Um, I'm drinking boom boo. I am drinking boom boo rum. It's probably pronounced bum bumboo. I'm gonna pronounce it boom boo. Bum talk. Bumbu, Bumbu Room Company. Bumbu Room. <laughs> it is Bumbum Roomku. Rumcom. Roomkum. Roomkum. It's like a romcom, except it's a porn parody. So it's With <laughs> it's it's romcom. It's not Roomcom. So it's a really weird rum, in the fact that it's gross, and also there's stuff in the bottle <laughs> because. The so the cork they put in is real shitty, so like shit falls off. This there might actually be coming. You can't bubble. just go. It's a different rum because it's bad. 
Have you ever wanted? Have you ever wanted vanilla extract to be spicy? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's what this is. It is. It's essentially like someone took a hot tamale, like the candy, dipped it in vanilla extract, let it sit and dry, dipped it again, and then ate it. You said that's rum? Yeah. How much do you like it? Not that much. Can I borrow it? When? You'll, get, you'll get most of it back. Okay. Um, Is it for your infinity bottle? No, I'm not. I don't have one of those. What's you should for? do one with vodka and let me know how it goes. <laughs> That's it's gonna taste more like nothing. You know he's gonna put when ninety percent fucking two different types of pink lemonade vodka. When, in it. when someone gets me a decanter, I will. Okay. On it. <laughs> I've, I got it. Don't worry. Merry Christmas. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, I, Damn it, Nick literally doesn't know how to look for anything else online. <laughs> hey, it's, uh, what do you it's the think holiday season hey. again. What do I get my friend? Spins a wheel that is just all, all it says is decanter uh, on it's every like, tile. It's like it's the very slim one of heartfelt. No, no, gift. no. It's, it's like those videos where it's a tiny little pie of this is decanter and then a big one that says anything else or the paper clip. But it's on a wall, so it always falls straight <laughs> down. <laughs> what if I get them? Oh, oh, oh. Well, so this year, this year, so because this episode comes out after Christmas, I got Jeff. Um, oh no, <laughs> a decanter that's essentially just a bottle. It's even got it's it's an authentic decanter with a wooden cork. Did <laughs> you actually? That's just a liquor bottle, Adam. <laughs> a wooden cork decanter is just an empty liquor bottle. <laughs> this fucking guy. This, this is a this is a cork decanter. This is a real. This is an authentic decanter. <laughs> I did get him a decanter. I did not get you a decanter. But outside of that, and it not being pertaining to anything, we all just went through our alcohols, right? Right, yeah. That's what we did. All right. So if you're wondering, based <laughs> off of our, in, our uh, little intro there of uh, our trailer of what we're talking about today, it is Marjorie Deal Armstrong. Yeah, everyone perhaps. knows that is. Not perhaps. With 100%, <laughs> my notes are 100% on her. <laughs> it's, it's a maybe. It's a possibility. Jeff, you don't know that. I yeah. guess I don't. What if? What if it wasn't? All right, so if you guys don't know who the fuck Marjorie Deal Armstrong is, uh, just go watch Evil Genius on Netflix, and it's her. It's where But she, there's a um, lot of things about her life that they didn't quite go into that I think are pretty, pretty important that you should know, definitely going into watching that if you haven't, or if you have. There, there's still, a little bit more detail that you can get. I still can't believe they just omitted the fact that she had a chronic case of ligma. Oh, yeah. I didn't read that part. What's Ligma? <laughs> Fucking hate my life. <laughs> Ligma boss! <laughs> is your mother home? No, she's staying okay. with my grandma. <laughs> okay. There it is. <laughs> I was like, Nick just said that very loudly. He says a lot of inappropriate things around his mother, but <laughs> this is a big one. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
all right so my source for this episode is mania and marjorie deal armstrong inside the mind of a female serial killer by jerry clark and ed pal paltella i believe is how you pronounce it uh the book overall it's pretty good if you don't have a degree or a minor in forensic psychology or know what the dsm is or have oh. any aspect of what psychology is jeff is i'm scared am i gonna does it, this am I gonna be doesn't angry? really talk about her a whole lot am i gonna be angry <laughs> uh no uh no it no okay um no this book just mostly is it's a good book i'll give it that it is a good book it's well written all the info is really good but as someone who has a degree in forensic psychology i know most of this because they talk a lot about the dsm and the history of psychology for some reason to try to tie it into marjorie for some reason don't know why um yeah it's just like they talk about hippocrates for like a whole chapter in all of his studies uh so my source is evil genius on netflix but only the first three and a half episodes there's four uh, episodes there's only yeah. four episodes i have not yet seen the last 30 minutes of the final episode my uh experience is also the evil genius um <clears throat> docuseries on netflix a la 2019 yeah it's i mean i've also seen evil genius but it's i don't know this this book was it's good it's um i i was expecting more honor than them to just re-explain bipolar disorder twenty four thousand times to me and make it like so you can like understand bipolar disorder and then you can have it explained to you so much that you like forget what bipolar is and then relearn it it's wild it's a lot of explaining what bipolar is and then how it's used in her like trials and yeah just a lot (laughs) but marjorie deal armstrong uh armstrong's her married name that she takes um so marjorie deal was born on february 26 1949 We'll get back to her in a minute. Let me explain Erie, Pennsylvania to you real quick because kind of sets the scene, especially if you've seen Evil Genius. Um, to me, it, so let's have a little discussion about Evil Genius real quick because this, the, when you watch it, it makes you think small redneck town, right? Like, Adam, you, I don't know if you got that feel from, like, for me, it was like, mostly because of the characters they're talking about, and by characters, I mean real-life people, but, like, the people they're talking about seem like you're, it kind you're of felt lower, like, you're, like, like you're uh, lower class people, to and they should felt, be dumb, but they're all really intelligent for some reason. It, it To me, it <laughs> felt more like a Macomb without a college. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it has a hundred thousand people in it. Like instead, the, like, Macomb yeah, like, would have like three thousand without the college. The same like the same amount of people. Like everyone still lives there. There's just not a massive college. It's not a college town. But instead of just being a regular town with the capacity of Macomb. I don't know. It gives a weird vibe to me. But as I explained the town, it might uh, give a little bit more of a I agree what? with the vibe of it being like almost small town. Like having that vibe. Small large town. Like yeah. a Warrenville, <laughs> it's a yeah, and it's it's a it's a either a 
very, very industrial is probably why it gives us very that feel. small city. It's like on that line. It's probably because it's a very industrial town. So Erie was a manufacturing powerhouse known for locomotives. Also known um, for drugs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, now. Um, <laughs> and also it was a, at one point it was a freshwater fishing capital as it is right on Lake Superior. No. Lake Erie. Erie, that's it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, that's also a great lake. Yeah, people yeah. forget that Erie. <laughs> Nick yeah, knows. Nick knows his geometry. <laughs> Why the fuck did I get superior? Where the fuck did I get superior from? I don't know. Because listen? superior is like. Yeah, no, I know near. where it's at. <laughs> fuck yeah. off. Whatever. Superior is one of the leaves in the palm tree. So it is on. So if you know what Pennsylvania looks like, it has a little chimney off. On the west side of it, it's a little chimney that goes up to Lake Erie. Lake, Lake Erie. Uh, Erie is the town that is right there on Lake Erie. Um, <laughs> there was, there was something I saw uh, the other day that was like, uh, "Thank God for Pennsylvania keeping New York from touching Ohio." <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, I'm going to explain that here in a second. So, on Lake Erie, it's naturally well protected as the fact that it just has Lake Erie to its north and then New York and Ohio beside it. It's well protected from like every angle. Um, so it is two hours from Cleveland, Ohio, Buffalo, New York, and Pittsburgh. Literally to the west is Cleveland, two hours, two hours to the east is Buffalo, two hours straight south is Pittsburgh. Also, it's perfectly in the middle of absolutely nowhere you yeah, want to be. And from basically. Erie, you could get to either New York or Ohio in 20 minutes. Yeah. You could cross state lines in 20 mm-hmm. minutes either direction. It's yep. literally smack dab. There's nowhere here I want to be. <laughs> I'd rather go into the lake. In the mid-2000s, um, Erie started to have a very high poverty rate due to large company layoffs such such as GE Locomotives who decided to move to Texas. Marjorie's mother was Agnes and she was a school teacher. She was very intelligent. She had a degree, everything, school teacher. Her father was Harold who was a World War II vet from the Coast Guard. He um he ended up when he came back he worked for GE Locomotives. Uh her mom was a teacher for 40 years. And had multiple degrees, which is where we'll get into later. Marjorie ends up having multiple different degrees. Marjorie thought more highly of her relatives than her parents because she thought that they were more accomplished and had more money. Her grandparents had a lot of money. And uh, by age eight, she thought mostly of money instead of where most kids thought about toys or friends or, you know, cartoons or anything a fucking kid would think about. She thought about money. And... The reason is that she thought it would be hers since she was an only child, and so was her mother. So if her mom dies, like, so if her grandparents die, it goes to her mom. If her mom dies, it goes to her. There's no one else. Um, they once Her grandparents once showed her their safe filled with money and then started her in banking at a very young age. She would often take their mortgage to the bank every month and take their deposits to the bank every Friday. And they told her that the fortune would be hers. For people who know this case, um, when she becomes money hungry later in life and really enjoys money, I mean, it's been there the entire time, and this is why. She also said 
that her parents treated her poorly. Uh, this was in 2012, which is actually almost 10 years after the pizza bombing case. I can only assume that because of her love of money, <clears throat> she chose to uh, get into a STEM field in order to earn a salary that would supplement this lifestyle. So she did try to work. Okay. We'll get to that later. Okay. When we talk about mental illness for 75% of this and we both get mad. Oh, joy. Um, <laughs> I love when I get angry during my own podcast. It's like my favorite thing. So she stated that her father was an alcoholic and sexually abused her from a young age. Right. Never proven or disproven. Just, At least from the sources I had, never proven or disproven. Um, I want to say no, but mm-hmm. I mean, yet again, I there's nothing there's no real evidence to show that he was or was not so i can't falter for that um she also said that her mom forced her to be perfect all the time did no one else's moms do that anyone in the 1950s or now (laughs) wherever yeah yeah or or since the beginning of time itself um her parents also thought that children should be seen and not heard oh yes of course yet again 1950s man like gotta yeah, gotta nice. gotta keep that free thought and rational also, thinking to itself fun fact i'm gonna say it again none of this is proven like okay from what i know this is just this is proven yeah her saying shit and she mm-hmm. says a lot of shit yeah um, I, basically everything she says can neither be not, proven if you, yeah. or if you take it with a healthy heaping of salt if you've seen evil genius you can understand from the interviews with her kind of why like oh take everything with a grain of salt and like because even after doing all this research i still kind of like there's that part of me that's like okay i kind of see like the mental illness and agreeing with her but there's also the side of like that just doesn't fucking add up though like everything points to you like well, I mean, it could have also, I could see it too of like people constantly said she's bipolar and stuff. She could have just had split personalities and could have also. That's a much rarer we'll talk, diagnosis. Now, we'll talk about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I will keep my mouth shut. So, oh, thank God. <laughs> she, I can leave. We'll make fun of you. She said when she was 12 and entering puberty, she developed anorexia quote-unquote self-diagnose but there was a doctor who later looked at pictures of her from like 11 12 to like her being a pre like a teenager that says she did lose a lot of weight and then kind of go back to being normal so it's kind of a possibility but yet again still nothing self-diagnosed mostly so she had developed anorexia along with other mental illnesses this does start the long line of mental illnesses that i pretty sure proven at this point like and obvious um she says she blamed her mom or she says that her mom blamed her for her stretch marks and that she could get pregnant that uh she could get pregnant if she kissed a boy yet again not proven well kind of wild things to throw out there i would like to point out she is most likely the cause of the stretch marks i also have that in my outline of she probably is the fucking reason for her mom's stretch marks (laughs) like maybe i mean maybe but most likely um she also had paranoid features which i mean paranoid like 
the best way to describe it is, is bipolar. I think the one thing she was probably, you can safely determine, is that she was incredibly neurotic. Yeah. She accepted her bipolar disorder, uh, diagnosis later in life. And when, uh, at one point when she was 23, she talked to a caseworker who stated she had a deep-seated hatred for men, which, is, uh, which she disagreed with. But uh, we'll get into that again a little bit later of her deep-seated hatred for men which is true so yeah her childhood really set her up for a wild long history of bad shit happening well she was very self-aware too because she like went to therapy well that's that's like actively seeking help and that's the thing about bipolar is you so nick we're fuck it we're doing the uh we're we're doing doing it live yeah, we're doing the psychology breakdown now because thanks, Adam. <laughs> You're um, welcome. So that's that's the thing about bipolar disorder is, uh, so so it's separated between de- a, a depressive state and a, a manic state. So your manic state is your super fucking high, like your your euphoria of happiness, and then your depressive state is obviously your fucking rock bottom, and that's basically the fucking thing that bipolar people just smack around in between and so so some people would think that oh no that's that's just life that you know there's ups there's downs the thing is but like think every time the peaks and the valleys are much higher and also these think these um episodes can last for days at a time where it's just and they hypermania they can come for no reason yeah sometimes like yeah you you might say like oh there's highs and lows in life yeah but when you're experiencing a high in your life and you still want to kill everyone is (laughs) so uh marjorie actually described at one point when she was talking to a psychiatrist or a psychologist that her highs like like she would it would be minute like to minute like she could her highs were high she wouldn't sleep for days like she would just it's energetic. I can get stuff done. I'm doing things. I'm happy as hell and everything's going right. And then her depressive states are, she sleeps for days. It's almost like, uh, like a meth addict. Like the best way to describe like that part of it is like, it's like a meth addict. It's they're up for days on their high and they crash for days when Mm. it wears off. Like it's like that, but it can also just switch at any time for her. And that's where we're going to get into a lot of the wild back and forth of things that happen to people around her and people she kills. Yeah, she, she like was actively going to therapy, trying to get help, and was getting early on in life yeah. from a lot of different doctors and people telling her that she, like she's fine. And then other people telling her, like, no, you have all these issues and could never get like a set answer. So that's that's where this book that I'm talking that I <laughs> listen to comes in. So she goes to college and she realizes during college she kind of has some like like mental issue issues that she needs to see someone with about, and she does that. And when she graduates college, she continues to do that because she, um, Marjorie's extremely intelligent. She is on the higher end of like the IQ. She's between the one ten to one twenty range on like most iqs but like there's some different iq tests that she scored like 120 to 130 ish so she's on the higher end she does 
I guess it's never proven, but she has like an ideological, right? That's what that is, an ideological memory because photographic isn't a real thing. Ideological is like, so photographic memories aren't a real thing because no one can just remember an exact thing right off the top of their head. I think it's called like ideological because they can remember a thing about it and then remember everything around it. It's, I think. I don't have a memory, so I don't know what you're talking about. Ideographic, maybe? (laughs) Yes, ideographic. That's it. Yes, because photographic isn't a thing. Ideographic (laughs) is because, correct me if I'm wrong, (laughs) but it's like you can remember a specific thing, but you can remember everything about it. Like, yeah, like that's not to say I have it or anything, but like that's kind of what happens with me. Like, I'll, someone will say something about, I don't know, fucking some person in history and then all of a sudden ah yes i know the next 16 things about them and what they did in the year fucking 1330 but you don't know what happens in uh what i learned in hamilton which is still no. wild because i've never know, seen hamilton uh, but i've learned so many things <laughs> i know you, the fact that you learned about fucking charles oh. de gaulle is wild the fall of the chinese empire it's crazy <laughs> all in <laughs> hamilton the <laughs> all right well not 100 on that one but so she ends up yeah she goes out and she realizes after she graduates college she gets like some basically like receptionist sec- secretary type jobs she has a degree in social work and i can't remember what the other one is she ends up with like five degrees a master's and she's like a couple or she's a handful of credits away from getting a PhD by the time like everything happens but she realizes yeah she's like fuck I can't like like I have mental issues that are in the way of work because of it's the highs and lows she's like I can go through days being like extremely happy and then there's some days where like I don't even want to fucking go to, like I can't go to work almost she she like seeks help from a lot of people and um another thing that now Nick and I will get into is the uh the real shitty uh, idea of what psychology was back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, part of the 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, ba- basically. <laughs> and within the D- last decade is when basically, it really becomes somewhat eh, okay. Basically, DSM 1 through 3, crap. DSM 4, pretty good. DSM five back to crap again. It's so yeah. At this time, there's psychologists are like they're kind of they're they are in the general ballpark of what her issues are, and they call they describe her as. So she was found to be a manic depress. She had manic depressive disorder, which is what I believe the DSM three considered bipolar at that time because bipolar didn't come out until dsm fours when they switched the name of it basically they're the same thing also Manic so, so, so for context dsm three had homosexuality down as it yeah. yeah all the dsms until dsm four yeah. had again sexuality is a mental illness like dsm four is probably a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists still use the dsm four like it's just really well done it's the most in depth yeah and, has and then, the, and the thing with it. the thing about DSM five is that it starts reaching and like starts getting really like hypothetical and shit. And it's yeah, it's like, like they didn't do yeah. all the studies correctly. Yeah, <laughs> it's 
fucking you start yeah dsm5 yeah it's like they, it's like they overcorrected with the dsm5 so basically like she she tries to go and she gets help she gets medication she'll go off the medication at some points it, it her early like her 20s are like this it's a lot of the back and forth of her trying to get help her losing a job her tr- getting help again getting on medication getting a job a lot of on and off with that until she hits an age it's in the 1970s she meets a man called uh fuck what's his name where is his name i can't remember the first one's name but her her first boyfriend dies from she she has five boyfriends that die of unnatural causes quote unquote um he slips falls and cracks his head on the corner of a coffee table that's how he dies Mm, yeah 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 i remember that nothing really comes of that kind of just proven as like a a whole little issue i guess uh then she meets oh robert thomas so robert she met robert thomas in the 1970s they dated for a bit and they stopped it was like a back and forth kind of thing that they dated they didn't date back and forth um in 1983, though, she shoots him in the chest six times with a, I can't remember the exact gun. I think it was a 38 revolver, though. So that she bought a week earlier, nonetheless. So she fucking fanned the hammer on his head. Yeah. Well, here, I, because I, I didn't see the end of the documentary, um, she, all chart, she actually got, Oh yes, it was... yeah. No, no, no. We'll talk about her getting off of that. Okay. Yeah, she gets acquitted. So she fans the hammer on this this guy. Um. So Robert, Robert Thomas is sleeping on the couch, gets the hammer fanned on him, basically, to put it in the best way we can. By that, she I mean em- literally the worst way to put she it. Actually, literally emptied the gun into his chest. Yeah, yeah. All six shots. Yeah. Um. He so he was no, he was fuck. he was known to be a, abusive to her. She has a mental illness. He had a mental illness because he was a Vietnam vet. He had PTSD. So, but she described it as like when she was in a good mood, like their highs were really high. And like yet again, bipolar. Like when they were like both not having episodes, tier one couple. But when their mental illnesses were taking the best of them, he beat her, and she was in like a rut. So. Yeah, she was 35 at the time, and he was 43 when she shot him in the chest six times. She claims self-defense because uh, basically in the trial, she tries to go for the battered wife syndrome and just the mental illness of she was scared for her life type of a thing. Um, would you guys – I'm, I'm going to read a little thing for you, and then we're going to go into a wild statistic that is going to blow everyone's mind. It's going to be interesting. So she, she's uh, at this point, she's known as a hoarder. Um, when oh you're, yeah, I remember when, that. when you're when you're bipolar, you have. Ba- I guess I, I guess I don't know if it's linked to bipolar, but she was labeled as OCD and ICD. So OCD is obsessive compulsive disorder. Yes, obsessive compulsive disorder, and it's I, the stereotypical ICD, like touching ICD is a like impul- is like impulsive. Yeah, and basically, bipolar people are known for 
like touching a doorknob a hundred times or like yes, you gotta do something that's, five that's times OCD. every time icd yeah. is more of like i need this because mm-hmm. i don't know if this will be useful later it's like if you play an rpg and you hoard that really like quote-unquote strong item because you're like oh it might be useful later and then you finish the game and you literally use none of them Mm -hmm. like that's kind of the best way i can explain by pull like the icd part of it it's like fucking oh this oh this grill is on sale for two hundred dollars instead of five hundred dollars i don't need a grill but what if i do yeah like this might be the deal i need yeah um so when investigators go into the house after she's so she kills him and she flees she flees with two grocery bags filled with shit one of the grocery bags has the revolver with all six spent casings still in the revolver and she goes to a friend that she met like a week earlier and she's like i need help hiding a body and she's like okay so she calls her sister and they all get in the car with her sister and they're driving around and she brings it up to her sister, like, hey, she needs help hiding a body. And she stops the car. She's like, get the fuck out. No. So she gets out. They call the police. That's how this whole investigation starts. Her plan was to flee, obviously. Um, so the police show up They with a search warrant and everything, obviously, because there's now, hey, there's a dead body in here. They go in. She has multiple books on her mental illnesses and psychosis which goes back to the whole aspect of she did she did show signs of wanting it to be fixed and she wanted help like adam said like she was very aware and really wanted like she was always seeking help so her and thomas had a lot of food from uh food pantries because at this point she had stopped working she stopped working like the 19 it was 1970s or 1980s she stopped working completely like, because she just could, like, her bipolar took over. So she was like, and there's a whole thing of her going through a bunch of trials. Yeah, she didn't have to, to get she got like $174,000. It was like a yeah, bunch from, of like uh, class court. action lawsuits, right? Yeah. So, because she tried to originally say that she had a mental disorder back in the ni- mid 1970s, and they just continuously denied her of her being able to get Social Security until like 1980s, where she finally got Social Security and she got like back pay for it because they finally recognized that she had a mental illness. And then she stopped work, like she didn't have to work anymore. So her and Thomas had a lot of food that was from food pantries and the government, because this is around that time of Nick, you might know the actual president, I can't remember, but they did like a huge thing for like trying to do food pantries and government sanctioned like food things for oh that was lbj homeless. yeah that was LBJ. yeah that was the war on poverty that yeah congratulations poverty won that's mm-hmm. you know gov- government help Woo! so they, we're not getting into that they would get uh, all this food that i'm about to not i'm not going to explain all of it to you but they're but they get so much food because um she would lie and saying she was picking up her friends and going to different food pantries also just getting she was like lying saying she was picking up for friends and she was going to a bunch of different food pantries she's getting a shit ton of food would you guys like to hear some of the most wild statistics you're about to hear for a two-person household on of hoarders for food in the night in 1984 when it was went through Sure. Had enough food to last three and a half years. G- guess a money amount. Guess a oh. money amount. 
uh, at least um, 1960s money or it's 1984 is when this happens. So 1980s money. 300 grand. 300 grand. Jesus fuck. (laughs) Oh, I was going to go higher. Oh, Jesus. I guess food was cheap for the 80s but Dude, also... two people though Dude, can you imagine how much food you'd have for 300 grand now That's if it true. was the bare necessities of food, yeah. like yeah it's, i guess it's not like you're getting <laughs> garadelli chocolate yeah like, like you're getting you're like get... tins of stuff like yeah. what you're not getting sun-kissed tuna you're getting adam give, give me a number so i can read you the real stuff so you're okay. not to be mind blown um ten thousand very close very fucking close so in 1984 they found when the police went in and they did they went through the the food section of the hoarding of the house they found her surplus to be worth nine thousand eight hundred ninety dollars you were off by a hundred and ten on uh dollar which is no i no, i have the the equivalent of what it was you do yeah so which was twenty two thousand nine hundred forty four dollars in 2016 well, I was off by quite a substantial margin. <laughs> yes. So uh, this is a partial, partial list of the food they found. 727 pounds of cheese. I do. I remember them mentioning it. In the- <laughs> yeah, Wait, the- hold on. Is this, does this have to do with the national no, cheese no, stockpile? So, so, yes. Yes, does it, it does. Have to do with the national yes. cheese stockpile? It does. I know about this. I know about the cheese stockpile. <laughs> The U.S. Does? is the largest. Strate- the U.S. literally has a national strategic <laughs> cheese stockpile. Cheese that we are eating now is from like the '90s because we have so much cheese. So now I'm going to read you even more stuff. Then it's going to be mine. <laughs> I know about. That. So, I'm so, so happy. Two people with almost with just over 700 pounds of cheese. I have a cheese drawer. It's like maybe six pounds of cheese. <laughs> Like Jesus fuck. That's, that's not enough cheese, by the I, way. Apparently not. 389 pounds of butter. <laughs> Yo, how do you how do you store that much butter? A lot of this was rotting. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> butter goes bad. Like cheese you could keep in a cellar. Butter goes bad. 111 five-pound boxes of dried milk. 33 five-pound bags of flour. 36 five-pound bags Flower of cornmeal, 37 dozen eggs, 11 cans of tuna, 44 boxes of spaghetti, 93 and jars of honey. There is no long-term storage I, of eggs. Well, <laughs> there is no long-term storage uh, In America, there is not. It, uh, the rest of the world, you can, but America does stupid don't shit we, with our yeah, eggs. Don't we fucking, like, bleach them or some shit? Yeah, we, we, like, we like take, like, Get an rid of outer- the coating. Yeah, we take we get rid of the coin. That's why we have to refrigerate our eggs while the rest of the world does not. So yeah. what but when did that start? Did that start in the 80s? When did like did that not it happen? It has until... been around for a long time for it to be so accepted nowadays. <laughs> um so 180 boxes of mac and cheese, 50 boxes of cornflakes, 58 bags of egg noodles, multiple dozens of cereal, and by the time they got done doing just the food of the house. In 1984, they took four tons of food waste. 
It's kind of gross. Honestly, though, like if any of that—that's just and- the food in their house. They're hoarders, man. Imagine the rest. Like what? I'll take that mac and cheese. Yeah, that shit's still good for like the next two hundred years at least. Yeah. I, I hope you know. Um, I now really want to do research on the U.S.'s strategic stockpile of cheese. Like, I want to do just a normal episode on the strategic stockpile of cheese. Put it in the fucking. Put it in there. Drunken opinion of cheese. Yeah. God. Get drunk and talk about cheese. We did that once and it didn't go over well. Let's see how it goes again. Strategic. So- so they get all this other, shit. Other, other, this, so could, they, this could be in the regular podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's going to be other like other countries' national strategic resources of shit, like Canada's strategic uh, maple syrup preserves. So we, so they find all this and they find Thomas on the couch, slumped over with his head on the right arm of the couch, with bullet holes in his chest and his arm. Um, they do like the i can't remember what they're called but like you know when you see crime shows and they put the sticks in the bullet holes to show the like the trajectory they do that shit uh they show that he was standing up but later they show that uh he was because when they show up they find a blanket over his lap and that he was in a resting position when he was shot and killed so contradicting there you know 1984 forensics my dude (laughs) this trial went on for a long time because during this time, the defense is trying to prove that Marjorie is not competent to stand trial because of her bipolar and her other mental illnesses. Um, they end up after like I think two years to find her competent to stand trial. And she goes and she stands trial. They give all the evidence. They're talking to a psychiatrist who's talked to her during the two years she's in prison, and they're like trying to disprove him because psychology isn't a real science yet and they're like so this is your hypothetical opinion he's like i mean i guess and they're like it can only be like 99 right and it's like yeah so is the rest of science like it was a weird back and forth with that um they didn't do a great job defending her the jury ends up leaving uh, they deliberate for five hours the first day, six hours the second day. They come back. Marjorie is found acquitted of the murder charge. She is only found guilty of the possession of a firearm without a license. The defense literally gasped when this was read because their whole defense was just getting her manslaughter or third degree murder. Because she killed someone. She literally got acquitted of the murder charge and just charged with firearms without a fucking license. Which is like nothing back then. Like, <laughs> it's the 1980s. Like, the slap on the wrists. Yeah. And tell you to go fuck uh, someone. So, yeah, she basically got out. In prison, she uh, admitted to killing him. <laughs> mm hmm. Eventually. Well, that was the whole defense was she she always admitted to killing him, but it was always in self-defense. It was always battered wife syndrome or that she feared when she went to prison. And that's why the jury agreed. That's why the jury acquitted her, because she they felt that her life was actually in danger from which it might have been down. Yeah, by a man. Well, that's the whole battered wife syndrome thing doesn't work out for because it wasn't during an actual couple. 
Yeah, so. no, like it, in the documentary, they talk about how like later on when she's in prison for what we're going to get to eventually, um, that she full on like was admitting to people that yeah, I straight up fucking killed him for. Yeah, oh yeah, I yeah, just, we'll get to that. Yeah, fuck him. I killed him. That motherfucker. He did nothing to me. I just killed him. Yeah, I mean, so after this, she ends up meeting um, the first person she actually marries, or the only person she marries, which is Armstrong. Um, He is an African-American male from, like, Cleveland. He ends up moving to Erie, and that's how they meet. Um, He's also abusive, but he also has mental... Everyone she dates or marries has mental illnesses. Um it's a weird apparently he was abusive because he was an alcoholic but he stopped drinking so he wasn't as abusive when this happened he's the only he is the the sixth one out of the five people that she was associated with like romantically that died of an actual natural cause he had a stroke he had a he had like a brain aneurysm that led to a stroke and he ended up dying at the hospital till two days after his stroke uh the thing about this though is is that marjorie wanted his he he was like you know brain dead at one point and she wanted to keep him alive because she thought that at some point it might come to the future where uh they might be able to do something with his body or bring him back to life so she wanted him to stay alive like be on whatever machine to keep him technically alive his heart failed after two days so she then asked the coroner for a leg bone so she could clone him in the future yeah so that was a whole wild thing i feel bad for that one uh i wish i could give you more there's not really a whole lot of info on that where is his leg bone i don't know if he ever did she get it i didn't think she got it all i heard was she asked for it and then they moved past it like she asked for it they never said whether she got it or not and if she did yeah, i never it, heard it where is it oh no she i don't think she got it because she ended up getting his ashes so he was always with her but I she wanted that in the book but, but in the she book wanted, that's what they said oh, yeah she the, wanted his leg bone she wanted for, like his femur or something yeah shit. so that way she could clone him yeah she wanted like his left femur or something technically there'd still be dna in the ashes so like teeth don't get cremated all the way yeah, but also, like, I get, like, depending on the ashes, you don't, like, keep the teeth just rattling around in there. I yeah. would. I want it, I'd want it to be, like, maracas. I know, but, oh, like, because <laughs> a lot of time, like, it, like, I don't know, like, it gets put in a bag at first, so you don't want just t- things poking around in there. Like, you just make sure it's all dust, essentially, <laughs> like... A little yoking here with, yolk, all the, with the 37 dozen eggs. A lot of yoko yokels. Well, we gotta use them here. up because we have to take off the exterior membrane of them. We gotta use them up quick or you're, else they're gonna go real bad. passionate about how America I'm, produces eggs, aren't you? I've, it's one of the fucking stupidest things in our supermarket. <laughs> Is how we have to clean our eggs off and now we have to use them within like two weeks and have to keep them in the fridge. Where in Europe, they can just fucking keep them on their fucking counters for months, and they don't go bad. Yeah, well, Europe also fucking sucks. I'm trying to think of a World War II joke, but I couldn't think of one. That wasn't against Europe. (laughs) I mean, not all of Europe. Yeah, some of Europe. Not all of it. Europe's dumb. So That happened in the 1990s. 
Blind. And then this is this is where it kind of all leads into what Evil Genius is about and the pizza bomber that happens on September 1st of 2003. And we're going to describe that again. If, well, maybe a little bit more in detail. What Less happens. comedic. Yes. Describe <laughs> it a little bit more and then explain what really went on around it to make that a thing that for some reason happened and the FBI didn't just fucking catch on to that I still don't understand to this day. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, based on the... Which we'll get into, but based on the documentary, it's very much the state... We can just do this as an open conversation at this point. Okay. I mean, we've all seen it. Like, we so, all know this part. So, so we just, of, as long as we hit all the details, I really the, don't care. So, a lot of information, like, the FBI was finding things out three, four, five years later. And everyone was like, how do you not know? And then they go back and review the footage. And in the in the documentary, they were talking about how like they didn't get like they got the information, but also that information came with pre-done research and stuff like that from state police and certain things like it was like so, even the FBI was like, you know, as much as it we don't want it to happen and all the blah blah blah. There was a battle between the FBI and the state police over who got control of this crime. So let's and... just, at this point, let's just go back to right after Brian Wells dies. So Brian Wells dies. Let's lay out what happens here. So it's in Erie, Pennsylvania. He robs a bank and he dies from a bomb wrapped around his He neck. also had like severe mental disabilities, right? It like very, disabilities. Well, not like severe. Well, he lived much, on his own. Like yeah. he wasn't I wouldn't say he was severe. But, he had a full time like I guess not full time. He had a job. He lived on they, his own. Like I wouldn't say he was severe. He wasn't like he did have mental illness. He was slow. According yeah, according to the documentary, he seems to have something going on. But he wasn't like a bad person or but, had like yeah. severe mental even the person that he was renting from Oh my god, like, she like loved him. She loved him, but she was yeah. very much like when like I, I was, remember she was trying to find like in the interview, it looked like she was trying to find the correct words to not be mm-hmm. an asshole. And she went with he's very influenceable. So so you know, I I, I remember those... watching oh, okay. it. I remember watching it and just feeling all like a gut feeling of awful like Here's this well, also you taken tell... advantage of. He's got he like a nice, a kind soul who got taken advantage of. So you could tell by the way, like if you watch the beginning of Evil Genius or just at the fact of him with the bomb collar on before it goes off, he's like he's not like worried. He's just like, I want like he's just asking for help. He's just like, someone help. Does anyone have the key? Like, can I get help? Like, why is no one coming towards me? And then, like, it starts beeping. He's like, oh, shit, I think this is real. And he's asking yeah. for, like, legit, genuine help. And which, no one comes to get him. Which, which you we'll can't, get into a little bit we'll later. We'll get into later. Because I think Nick and I have a very, yeah, specific reason on why. It's, it, it sucks, but it's understandable why. But So but, when you have those three things of, so this happens in Erie, Pennsylvania. It's a murder. It's a homicide. Or suicide, I guess, technically. But it, it's a crime in Erie, Pennsylvania that involves a bank robbery with an explosive so you now get three jurisdictions you get the pennsylvania state oh, police yeah, you, you get pennsylvania state police 
because it's their, it's their jurisdiction. jurisdiction happens in pennsylvania mm-hmm. you get the fbi because it's a bank robbery yep. and banks are federal and then you get atf because it involves an explosive yeah they had a full-blown like fucking political debate about who gets the case it turned into the biggest shit fest known to man which it ends ATF up coming put out in, i think atf put the biggest stink up even though like yeah. dude your things you're secondary here this yeah. doesn't have anything really what? it's a it's a crude device this isn't like c4 if it was c4 fine this is a crude device you're it was pipe bombs. Back. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. two pipe bombs um but and a I, shitty shrapnel device which didn't and then work. you have FBI, which involves a bank, and it's a bank robbery. And then you have the state police, which immediately I personally believe the FBI, if it gets involved because of it's in some sort of their jurisdiction, mm-hmm. jurisdiction, automatically trumps everyone else. Eh. It's the, it's like the FBI. Like it's, I get like certain things where they come in. They like so with serial killers, the FBI comes in. And they help because the FBI's behavioral analysis unit doesn't actually catch criminals they are a resource for local law enforcement to go through to help catch but, criminals. So I'd I'd be willing if if the bomb went off in the bank, I'd say go for FBI. If this went off on a state road, it should go to state police. It's an armed robbery of a bank though. But it didn't go off in the bank. Okay, and like it the money off, didn't go why, anywhere. Where, where does it going off change anything? Because it going off now does kind of make it an ATF problem. Because I hate to tell you, but state police doesn't have a lot of training in bombs. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying that like FBI and ATF should fuck off. I'm just saying, I personally I would feel it would be more. So at the end of the at the end of all the day, the FBI just takes the lead. Yeah, the FBI just takes the lead with both ADF and state police taking secondary assisting positions. So ATF which was helped. agreed upon by all three of them. Yeah, yeah. so but, ATF ended up helping pick up and assembling the pieces of the device after it exploded. And we'll get to it now basically. So Brian Wells was a pizza delivery man for a local pizza joint and what happened that day was he got called to a Abandoned radio what actually happened tower. yeah he got he got called to an abandoned radio tower what happened which happens is, to be next door to someone's house we will get into that because that is a <laughs> rant that i have to have because that is my biggest thing about how the fuck did this not happen like earlier so call comes into the pizza place the manager or the owner like takes the call can't understand the person gives it to brian wells brian wells gets it he writes on the receipt his own handwritten notes to get to the place like address and the way to get there so it's an abandoned radio tower he gets there and basically what happens he gets there he delivers the pizzas and as he's in that parking lot they slap a fucking collar bomb on him give him a fucking sheet of paper that has instructions because they learned that he loves scavenger hunts so they send him to rob a bank and then he can't get the key until he goes through a four-part scavenger hunt within 55 minutes guess what they uh, was the 20 epi- minutes no no so that's before he gets to the part of getting the next key that turns on the second timer that is primed that's in there right. to give him an extra 60 uh they did the uh they did the route at the exact time of day of when he robbed yeah. the bank he could not have made it so they determined he was, it yeah, as he was, he was found yeah he was set up to be killed why 
no clue because this dude has nothing to do with anyone really when you when mm-hmm. it breaks down uh, again i just remember being very upset that they involved it's, him in this, this whole thing is so fucking bad he's just a genuinely good dude mm-hmm. so when this happens over that weekend one of his co-workers end up killing themselves i forgot about that yeah that what, did happen. He, he, Which he we ODs. don't know whether it was an accidental yeah. od or a suicide we don't know but one of his co-workers who was quote-unquote possibly there at the radio tower or set him up to be there kills himself the that's really the last we're going to talk about him we're going to kind of run through the evil geniuses part kind of quick because Mm -hmm. i mean there's a whole docu like a fucking netflix go watch it it. it's really good it's amazing it's great and also there's no point in us reiterating it to you like you can just watch it yourselves and you probably already have i really just wanted to get through the earlier aspects of marjorie and kind of explaining her mental illnesses and the way she thinks before we got to this aspect the craziest thing about it for me was how the cops literally saw them driving away from across the field yeah that's like the craziest thing for me so part of the crazy thing for that so later on they figured out that they let's get back to it let's just try to hit things in a timely order So, so he he shows up, he gets the collar put on him, he gets the letter, he goes to the but bank, he walks you, in. The collar is like a handcuff. If you know what a yeah. handcuff looks like, it clasps a giant up, one. A giant, yeah. just specifically designed to lock a bomb to a human neck. That's the only that was, uh, that was a huge thing. That the, yeah. the documentary. That's, that's the only use. There's, a, there's one purpose of this, and it's to kill yeah. someone. Yeah, because it has a whole thing on the bottom part of it that faces the chest that was scored in like a checkerboard fashion but it wasn't scored deep enough it was supposed to be scored deep enough that when the bomb pipe bombs went off it shot the shrapnel through the person's chest mm-hmm. kind of like a really like real life saw it, it really just device. like it's like a claymore but but like it's essentially like a claymore yeah, it's like a, a saw grenade. device when you look at it like the like when they piece it back together and they show pictures of it in the documentary it looks like a saw device like so okay so people at home it Think of your stereotypical World War II movie with a hand grenade that looks like a pineapple. Yeah. The whole point of that is the scoring in that Shoots, uh, is yeah. to turn it into shrapnels. And like That's nowadays, what kills nowadays um, modern grenades have the same thing, but much smaller. Like the Russian, like Russian hand grenades have the scoring inside very small, basically just turning it into pellets once yeah. it explodes. So they put it on him. They send him to a PNC bank on Pearl Street. He goes, he walks in with a cane that is also a handgun and robs. He's very casual. He grabs the dumb dumb and everything. He's very casual. He tells him he's robbing him. He asks for $250,000. He gets like 8,000 because people don't understand how banks work. He doesn't. He hands him a note, right? He hands him a note, and the note is fucking like, I think they said he handed him like a three-page note, and it was like a huge thing of explanation of how they need two hundred fifty thousand dollars, like, (laughs) which is what kind of ties it back to everyone in the later part of this. 
So he ends up getting like eight thousand, and he walks out with the bag. He's like twirling the bags. He's walking out with his he's fucking whistling, cane gun. He's just hanging yeah. out. He gets in his car because I I think at this point he doesn't think it's like a real threat. He doesn't think his life's in danger. He probably was told that he'll get a cut of the poor, like of, which of we'll it. get to later. <laughs> yeah. So the next step is that he's supposed to drive down a road, go to a yellow sign, and on the yellow sign is a coffee can with his next instructions um yeah he doesn't he barely makes it out of the parking lot and onto the street and as he's turning to go out where he's they specifically tell him to go he gets pulled over by a i the only way i can describe it is a literal shit fuck ton of state police and like describe it yeah when you if you see the video there are so fucking many state police in there which the like it's so they wild just get him out they like, just get him out of the car and sit him on the fucking road well they they handcuff him see that he has a bomb and then they all retreat behind their cars and point their guns at him and he's just like yeah like hey guy like like i'm going to cooperate like nothing so like can this we is get, where i need the key can we get this off me please like this is where nick and i are going to defend the police in this scenario i don't think you the police can, did anything wrong. no i don't either so i everyone, think it was a lot of i think bad luck <laughs> yeah i think i i don't know i just feel the like police, a lot of people would see like oh they have their guns drawn and pointed at them they don't know the seriousness of if he put the bomb on there to kill other people it like if he put the bomb on himself if he is an actual threat if he's not a threat if they, like and they then have, after they have him at gunpoint and they're a far enough way away, none of them are trained to defuse bombs. If you send one of them to defuse this bomb, he has a higher chance of dying. This? 2003. Well, this would be after 9-11. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There, Yeah, like at best. They have a bomb They're, squad. They call the Erie was, bomb squad. Yeah, yeah so they have a specific bomb squad that can get there within so, 10 minutes, but it wasn't enough time because they cut off the streets that yeah, shut, well, that made them get there slower. It, when you when you watch the video, like at it is very clear he like he just he he's cooperating, like he's doing everything he 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 no cops is, doing anything wrong yeah, no one's like, doing anything wrong but like he it's very clear he is innocent essentially yeah. like he he it's a he whole lot not, of shit circumstances but yeah. and he's just like i will stay here can someone please take these handcuffs off me like i'm sitting on my hands which are cuffed like can we please like make this i'm like can we please can someone go get the key so we can take this off me like he is clearly innocent which yeah. then people are going to yell at the cops for. Also, the cops are not trained to handle this situation. Mm-hmm. And so, but I, yeah. They, what do you do? Like, what they, do you do in this scenario? They, like I said, like, and so they, if you they shut down the whole there, road, they shut down the whole roads to save any pedestrian bystanders, which you then don't know. Yeah. Also, you don't know what got, explosives are in this bomb. Yeah. Like, you don't know if it's about to blow up a fucking city block. Like a three foot radius around him, you and know, traffic is going. To and they don't know like, if there's chlorine gas inside because because traffic was so bad because they blocked off the road. It essentially doubled the amount of time it took the bomb squad to get yeah. there. And they said that most they likely, were like a minute or two down the road when it went off. They said when they showed up, 
he was one of most them likely saw, breathing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They said that one of them saw him still breathing when they got out of the vehicle, and the other one said they saw him collapse, but like, they fall back. But Bomb Squad has to put on their bomb gear and stuff, and get like so they got there and they weren't ready to get into the scene yet, and he was already like things. Five minutes would have made the difference. Five yeah. minutes would have made the difference. Yeah, it's just like also because it's post 9 but probably, you don't know you don't know if that bomb goes off and releases anthrax pro- you also no, don't know if you go and touch that bomb and it releases anthrax and everyone in, dies near you in, in in the end result when they actually looked at the bomb five minutes probably wouldn't have saved anything because they had a fake phone in there that yeah. did nothing they had, they had they, wires it was it was booby trapped to all hell like it wasn't necessarily i wouldn't say booby trap like nothing no that's what that's what they say in the notes is it's booby trap also when they do oh yeah it says like oh this part's booby they have a huge they had a huge like sticker on it with handwritten Mm -hmm. notes saying that this is booby trapped and when i think booby trap i think of you do something and it trips something else they just had a lot of fake stuff things a lot of red herrings yeah yeah and that was it was so, supposed to make them take more time. And so probably it wouldn't like probably by what happened actually saved more lives than like it yeah. killed one man. If they if bombs have gotten there five minutes earlier, more people probably will have died just trying mm-hmm. to stop. Who knows if one of if one of those guys loses a hand or just dies from the I actually no. From how it was I how it was set up, the bomb squad guy probably would have been behind him. And the whole explosive was set at his chest going into his chest. So the bomb squad guy probably would have been safe the entire time. But yet again, that's speculation now after mm-hmm. the yeah. entire thing. But so that happens that his coworker killed I was surprised that dies. the documentary showed it. Uh, yeah, yeah. You see his head and everything. Yeah, it's like bad. You see the explosion happen and you see the body fly. Um, and I'm sadly, like, they, wow. Sadly, so there's a part in the documentary where they talk it's about so Brian. Sad. So Brian Wells is the one who had the bomb collar that died. Um, his family talks about one of his family talks about how they're pissed off. That the police didn't do anything or get him the help he needed quick enough. And that which is fair. Him. Yeah, I get Nothing it. Nothing they could do, but yeah. also fair as family. Like, I, I understand being pissed off, but I don't think you can blame them. Like I understand being mad about it, but so they were also upset that, the coroner had to cut off Brian Wells's head to get the bomb off, to like get the, the collar off, off, because they couldn't pick it because they didn't know if there was another bomb set up in it. So they had to cut off his head and pull it off. They to were be also able to upset reassemble that it. they found out that he died on the news. Yeah, well, no, his sister did, and, and I his didn't mom. hear any. His, oh, okay. His sister yeah. and his mom both found but out on the also, news like, that he had died. Also, that's probably breaking news on like your local channel at that point. Like, you probably find that out on the news before any. Like, the police were probably still scrambling, like trying to figure out, like, oh shit, is there another bomb? Like, what's going on? Like, they probably weren't yet again just defending the police here. Like, they're probably not going to be able to get you that info. Snip snap right when it fucking happens. Whereas, there in the documentary, there is a reporter. 50 feet away from three cops with their guns drawn pointed at a man with a bomb that is maybe 50 feet away from them. I'm pretty this sure dude rep- is literally right fucking next to I'm pretty sure thing. the reporter saw the saw him saw the bomb go off. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. he was right there when the bomb went off. It but, was, yeah. And then the, the No, sister- he did because he's talking about it. He's like, Well, I was standing here and all of a sudden something went off and this man laid on his back and it's like no you watch this man get shrapnel blown into his fucking but, chest and, but they were upset that 
it kind of went into like they cut they decapitated him brian to salvage a device that yeah, to preserve evidence to, is why they to preserve it. evidence but it like he would have been able to have an open casket had they not beheaded yeah. him yeah it i mean at, that's rough yeah it, it sucks but like i also get, i get both I, aspects yeah like, i get both sides preserve the evidence and then on their end i mean for, they want to have an open casket and they cannot because it not even the bomb the coroner caused them not be able to have yeah. an open casket like it, so, i get i get what he's trying to do at the same time like that fucking sucks <laughs> so fbi takes over case and they go to the radio tower. They get um, the state police actually help with the collection of evidence, and they get tire prints showing that Brian Wells was there. They get some other footprints and stuff, and 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 like some rustled dirt that looks yeah. like there was a struggle, um, yeah. because Brian so, had said that he was jumped by three black guys. Yeah, which and right I think off the this bat, was just a thing that like they had hoods on or like something. Well, so yeah, right off the bat looks bad. Um, well, right off the bat, he says that he was jumped by three black guys and this was thrown on. And the lead and officer on the case was black, and he immediately was mm-hmm. like, "Was it three black?" Like at the time, like black people were in the documentary. For a lot he of says things. that. Yeah, yeah. So he was like, eh, "Which then you find out more later on in episode four. You find out more <laughs> that wasn't three black guys, but yeah." Um. So. Yeah, they find out there's a struggle. Um, at the same time that they're getting this evidence, they have the ATF picking up a bomb, like pieces of bomb. And there's also some FBI and state police going to the second spot on the note. They find the they find the um the sign, they find the coffee can with the note in it. The note says the next spot. They go to the next spot. As they're at the next spot on like this gravel road that goes to a dead end, they see a Vietnam piece of a piece of tape that says Vietnam on it. And they're like, okay. And they see a blue van like way off in the distance. And it, it pulls, pulls up and in while yeah, it pulls into there. the like almost to the dead end. It stops for a while, watches them, and then it backs up and turns and goes. And they never see it again for a, a very significant amount of time. They like well three and, years. And the the officer like two or three years, yeah. The officer said like it was too far away to all I know yeah. is that it was he a could, blue yeah, van. so they couldn't chase it and he couldn't get a license. Yeah, it was too it was far just, away to chase and too far away to have any besides it being a blue van that's all they got and also there you have to realize that they're super cautious at all these sites because they don't know if there's more bombs here like if he fucks up the next piece like what if there's a bomb there to set off something like so they do that they bring in some people they start questioning people um not getting a lot out of i think it's ken barnes ken barnes is like explaining some stuff they have i don't think they had no ken barnes isn't no, there this yet. Is later you know, no 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 ken happened. barnes is there near, during the initial part they just didn't pick up on something he said correct so ken barnes is there earlier but they're they're talking to like bank tellers and just people that na- like saw other people nothing really comes of it they don't really days. have yeah three days nothing really um that guy dies over the weekend they link it to brian wells because they work at the same place 
they're like, okay, did he kill himself or whatever? They can't really figure out if it was an accidental OD or if he committed suicide. And then Bill Rothstein calls into 911 saying that there is a dead body in his freezer that he helped put there from Marjorie Deal Armstrong. So the police have a whole like weird conversation on the phone with him being like, that you say there's a body in your freezer? He's like, yeah. And he, he gives like a very detailed reason why it's there. And they ask him like, so what's your relationship with Marjorie? And he's like, I'll tell you guys my story later. Please show up. They get the body out. There is. It took like four days to thaw out. To yeah, do it four with? days to thaw out. It was there. The, the body was in the fetal position frozen solid in a deep freezer yeah and it was, what was frozen his name it was james uh, james no. something Roden. um jim root jim Roden. yeah he was frozen to the sides of the chest freezer so they had to wait a full day for the chest freezer to thaw out for them to remove the body and four days for the body to thaw out for them to do any kind of autopsy <laughs> But he was killed by a shotgun shot to the James head. James Roden? Maybe it was James Roden. It's James it's or Jim? It's both. Is it? Yeah, that's what I thought. They they go back and forth, but his name's James, and they call him Jim sometimes. Basically, Marjorie shot him in the back with a shotgun and then asked Bill to help her dispose of the body. And That is an effective some way reason, of killing people. And Bill, for some reason that we don't know to this day, said, sure, I'll help you. So so in the documentary, her. they get into, she, like, they talked to a lot of people that Marjorie was in well, prison Okay, with. so we need to go back to why she knows Bill, which is because they dated that was on like, and off and were yeah. engaged for a time. And they back in the 1970s and they were on and off the entire time until yeah. this happened type of a thing. Um, Both and, extremely intelligent people. And essentially uh, what it boils down to, and they did interviews with people that Marjorie was in prison with and uh, other people, they kind of have figured out that she is unintentionally or intentionally, but she she's manipulative and she kind of can play with your head and wrap you around her finger and can get you to do things that you don't want to do. She's really good and really smart at being able to get what she wants out of people. And it kind of seems like she did that to Bill because from, from all accounts, from what I can, what I've seen of Bill, he's actually a pretty decent guy. Except yeah, for this instance, plays himself that way. Yeah, like I don't know. He's he's all right. Um, so he's kind of an asshole. They but he's they a... show up. They get the body. They take the body. It takes four days to thaw out. He the ends police up actually them, know him. Yeah, <laughs> like personally, so his house is at the end of the road that leads only to the abandoned radio, where fucking brian wells was taken and had the collar put on him literally at the end of that road Mm -hmm. is this man's house and this is where it fucking breaks my mind so you go down this road and you do a whole investigation that you at no point decide to knock on the door of the fucker at the end of the road i think being like hey did you see anything weird at the like the documentary go down here anything like nothing talks about because they knew the guy 
and they knew that he would never do something like this. They knew him personally. And essentially the police vouched for him that if this you know is him not personally, wouldn't Bill you would go do. and ask him like, holy shit, did you see anything? He was well, I don't know, because he was in one of he was in the one guy's <laughs> wedding that was um she an he investigator was in, or something. Yeah, he was in one of the investi uh one of the state troopers, like he in in-laws wedding or something. He was the best man in it. Yeah, like so like they knew the guy personally and could vouch for his character that he would not have something to do with this. I mean, fucking the cops knew Ed Gein. That's true. The well, cops, yeah. the cops I mean, they knew also Drew, knew Ed Kemper. So. Uh, the cops knew Drew Peterson. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, yeah, cops know a lot of the people who do bad things. Um, Shockingly. Yeah. <laughs> it's well how that works. Um, so, yeah, they, he's also a hoarder, wild to find out. Um, he has a dude living with him at this point, or right before this all happened. I can't remember his name. It's like Farn- Farnsworth or something. I don't remember either. But uh, Kyle, know. I can't remember. Kyle exactly sounds that's right. Kyle Farnsworth. Kyle Farnsworth. Something. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we're gonna call him Kyle. Do not know if that's actually his name. He's wanted um, for rape of raping a, of a disabled a disabled teenager. yeah disabled and minor. Uh, they do a lie detector on him. He comes back clear. Whatever. A real bell of the ball of, of yeah. Bill. Nah. We'll come back later. Um, so they're talking to Bill. Bill gives them a shit ton of information about how Marjorie did all this. It was her plan. It, well, he doesn't know anything about the bomber case. So this is where the state police take over the frozen body case and they focus on that. And the FBI takes over the pizza bomber case. And they just apparently don't fucking communicate anymore. And this is why it took so long. Because no. they stopped communicating with each other. Did because they had two about separate 9/11? cases. Yeah. I mean, yeah, fuck it, right? I mean, we didn't learn after that. Never forget, though. Um... <laughs> spicy. So... Coming off spicy today. So, yeah, they, they're questioning bill and bill saying marjorie but like they're not talking to the fbi about how bill's at the end of the fucking road basically like bill also the, never gets the put state on troopers bond. Are bill never gets arrested shit. or put on bond or bail because of the fact that he's cooperating and then after like a year or two bill ends up dying of because they he goes to the hospital they find out he has terminal prostate cancer i believe no. and he oh, dies like a week no later. they ha- he has like all the cancer this yeah man, he, he has he has he cancer. goes to the hospital this and man like, was playing pokemon with cancer he goes to the hospital and like four days later dies, he dies yeah. and when they like looked at him he had like prostate cancer was the thing that actually killed him but he his entire body was filled with cancer like he was one giant cancer yeah, right before this though marjorie was arrested for some shit and she said i hope bill dies because like i hope bill gets the karma he deserves because she's huge into voodoo and astrology she's yeah, like karma sense. better get his ass and then he dies right after and everyone's kind of like bitch what it's a hex he's your oh, bitch. No. But yeah, it's before long, it's this long couple years i kind of want to get through this yeah here. so there's be- a lot but he uh the pro- the producer of the documentary essentially interviews himself a little bit of how he was just interested by the, these Plus, cases. Right? 
And and he was mailing, what? what? He was m- mailing Marge, and went and was like was starting to film stuff. It was like, oh, I'm just gonna go, go to Bill's house and see what happens. He's taking uh, Bill's not home when he gets there, so he goes across the street and is just filming B-roll of the outside of Bill's house. Um, mm. Bill goes gets home. And the producer walks up to Bill's car, knocks on the window, and is like, hey, I'm doing a documentary about these cases and about Marge. I would love to have your perspective on everything that happened. And he said no, and then just blankly stared at the man (laughs) until it became so uncomfortable that he just left. left. (laughs) Um, He then went and showed the head of police the video and there was a blue van parked outside Bill's house. The same blue van that the, the officer identified is like, that's the van I saw. Yeah. Wild. Bill was dead by the wow, time how that works that out. happened, though. Bill like literally died like four or five days later after the guy, the producer went to talk to him. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bad time. So she ends up in prison or yeah she's being held for this case i believe but she continuously denies she like denies her entire life about being a part of this but after brian wells dies she says brian wells had something to do with this and that's where they start to link everything together they find out that brian wells in fact made the bomb Mm -hmm. that her and her and Brian had come up with the $250,000 because it comes back into play that she wanted her dad dead because her mom had died and her mom had money left, but her dad went in and got the safety deposit buckets and took everything. And he was giving like hundreds of thousands of dollars to charities and churches and shit. And she was not okay with that. because She thought it was hers that she ordered a hit on her own father by Ken Barnes, who Denied ever actually wanting to do it, but he he wanted to find out if she would pay him up front. So she was like, he was like, okay, if I'm gonna do it, I need a hundred thousand up front. And she's like, well, I'll rob this bank, and that's how she got tied into the two hundred. She's like, I'll pay you two hundred fifty thousand. He's like, okay, I need a hundred thousand of it up front. And she's like, I'll have someone rob a bank so you can get paid the two hundred fifty thousand, so I can get my like one point eight million or whatever. He. Uh... And- that's cl- where all that got linked together. <laughs> he he says that he uh um Ken says that it, it started like God, like I like I'm sure people have had these conversations before of God, I just like fuck my dad. Like you hate someone and you're like you don't actually want them dead, but you say, I wish they would just die or whatever, like those throwaway lines. Yeah. And and it was kind of like you know, like, uh, oh, haha, like, whatever. And then he real like, and he was like, yeah, sure, I'll kill him. Like, he dropped it unless on him. Well, he was kind of just playing along with it, like, yeah, sure, I'll kill your dad, like, whatever, like, not an intentional, actual plan to do it. And then she started to get real serious about it. I was like, yeah, like, okay. And he was like, oh, like, so then he was like, how much money can I squeeze out of this? Like, because <laughs> everyone knew Marge was loaded. So, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, except for the fucking law enforcement for some reason. Didn't well, understand she why didn't she had trust, so much money. She didn't trust yeah. banks, so none of her money was yeah. on record. <laughs> she had so much money from lawsuits. Um, so yeah, she ends up going into prison, and the reason she gets caught is because of, like, three girls that she's in prison with that she just confesses to after like they they hear it and they like all keep quiet because they're just like they hear it and they're like what in the fuck like and they she took just, notes yeah they took <laughs> note like detailed notes and everything and you're just like what the fuck and they gave she... it and they all looked at each other and they're like yeah just don't fucking say anything we're and they all act like she didn't say it yeah and then they all turned around and snitched on her and guess what the state police did with, with all of that information they put it in the box labeled snitches yep and it snitches never went notes. anywhere. They never gave yep. it to the FBI. They just put it in the box labeled snitches notes. Because they had two different cases. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to, to kind of wrap it all up into a nutshell, if you haven't seen. How do you wrap a nutshell? Just... Shut the fuck up. God okay. damn it. Well, where I got, where I stopped in the show, so I don't know anything past this, is uh, they they kind of have pieced together and whether this is actually the real thing or not, this is where the sh- I stopped watching the show of Brian, James, Marge, and Bill all met up the day before, made the plan together, and, of, or, and Ken, to, and made this plan to go rob the bank and then they went okay cool they broke off the next day things start going a little haywire and stuff but brian goes to deliver the pizza and they attack brian and slap the bomb on him and the bomb by the way was measured to this is actually how the snitches got marjorie to actually be linked to this is a she told them that the bomb was specifically meant to fit brian wells's neck Mm, yeah they had measured his neck prior but yeah and that they slapped the bomb on him but then also were like oh yeah just follow these steps and you can take it off and pretended like it wasn't actually going to blow up that's where i'm at is then brian leaves to go to the bank thinking everything's fine yeah that's why he was so calm wanting to get the like he like trying to find the right words being somewhat mentally calm? ill oh mentally yeah being mentally ill he was able to remain calm and was just like hey guys could you just help me get the thing off i just need the keys like he, it was kind of he was just so simple and yeah innocent. it was weird and was then taken advantage of of essentially i think they were because he ken was in the mcdonald's parking lot with marge yeah which was across the street from the pnc essentially he was supposed to rob the bank give them the money and then send him on this wild goose chase which would kill him and buy everyone time to get away with the money because yeah (laughs) it was 20 minutes either way to get out of to get out of state yeah and the plan that Bill originally told the police was that if I were to have robbed a bank, it would be um, you you rob the bank, and then you ditch the car, get a new car, and you're out in 20 minutes. And he did like, it. <laughs> yeah. But I think I think 
And it, I haven't seen the rest of the show. I think Marge is I think Marge manipulated Bill and Bill was the brains of the operation. Like Bill was the main kahuna, but was only the main kahuna because Marge manipulated him into being the brains of the operation, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like she pretend was she was able to pretend and she always admitted that she was where people say she was, but also like, oh yeah, I was at the Shell gas station at this time because someone saw her and could place her there. But it had nothing, I was unrelated to whatever you're talking about. And I think she was smart enough to play dumb the whole so, time. So to wrap it all up. Marge ends up dying in prison in 2017. She dies on April 4, 2017. She dies of breast cancer at the age of 68. Um, it, she was a wild... Like I, I 100% think she should be fully, like, you know, have the extent of everything put down on her in the way of how she fucked up but this should have been a fucking there should there are 97 telltale signs that this should not have happened this she should have been in prison for a very long time before this ever happened mm-hmm. and it's just it's bad um she also thought she was extremely attractive when she was actually like a solid maybe five out of ten I, at her best I mean, so the young photos of her she's not bad i've seen a lot of young <laughs> photos of her and they're all pretty fucking bad Ooh. Ooh. bill though bill bill's bill, a solid bill man. bill pre-fat was very yeah, attractive very attractive yeah <laughs> yeah Three i don't beards, know um, he was glorious even yeah. with the beard when it was still colored, early, early like on, when it was like black, in, his, in his 30s, he, he had like, that like hot Steven Spielberg 90s. Yeah, look. yes, like, exactly. <laughs> that is actually perfectly it. Uh, yeah, no, this is a bad case, though. Um, a lot of bad things happen. A lot um, of attractive people. Uh, Mar- Marjorie was a c- female serial killer. It's just the, the best way to put it. Um, a lot of people around her died. Granted, she was in a lot of bad relationships, but I mean, still, she killed a lot of them being in a shitty situation is still not an excuse to be a shitty person <laughs> ryan wells shotgun to the back of james roden um armstrong died of a stroke um right uh coffee table guy coffee table guy and <laughs> Thomas? Uh, Ar- and armstrong who no armstrong was the one that fucking lived god damn it and then the one that she shot, um, yeah, Thomas, who got shot six times in the chest. Should have been in jail a very long time beforehand. Mm-hmm. But that is a rough wrap-up of the case of Marjorie Deal Armstrong, but I think we did a pretty good job of hitting on her early life there. So congrats to us on doing one thing right in this one. So, Perda. I'm out of everything to drink. <laughs> <laughs> not to have drink so, it all you guys got anything on the wrap up of this uh, I think Adam one. actually did everything that he could have done for this episode my, Nick actually just I think jerked off the entire time yeah um, my one question for Adam are you going to finish it are you going to finish the yeah yeah I was interested it's good, it's good. 
I, I, Nick, I Nick hasn't watched it in like it. eight years, so. I don't yeah, know if I'll be I, able to watch it before, but. I watched it before it came out. I watched yeah, it. I mean, thanks, Nick, happened. for actually not showing up for this fucking episode, you absolute I... piece of shit. So, uh, everyone, for 2022, <laughs> this is how Nick will be now that he has a girlfriend. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> partially here while here. It's absolutely fucking it's awful. A, it's though. amazing that Jeff and I are both in committed relationships and still do more. And, yeah, right. Uh... <laughs> is mine not committed? <laughs> Yeah, but we still do not as committed as ours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucker. Also, um, I mean, fuck you. So, All right. I really miss our long talks about psychological breakdowns of people and why it's fucking stupid. And you just now you're just like, yeah, I, I, it's what? dumb. And you go back to. Sticking around on your if phone. You oh see, my God. If you want to see your balls on your is, camera screen, and awful. if you want to see Nick being a real fucking piece of work, go to our patron and donate at one dollar, and you can watch this year's Taskmaster special. Nick's a real piece of shit during that episode. If you're and wondering, last year's, it's a good time. If if you missed it, if you're wondering where to find the Taskmaster special, go down to the description. You'll find our link tree, and our link tree is link tree is all of our social medias at the top is our Podbean. you click on that and then you go to the become a patron at the one dollar level you can get 2020 and 2021's taskmaster specials that you can watch just for a total of one dollar total of one dollar a month you can watch both of them that's like six to eight hours of content isn't it like it's a wildly large amount it's you also get contestant videos that have never seen the light of day to the audience um only to these guys i haven't even seen them that was part of it (laughs) that's a lie jeff's seen them oh jeff's seen two of the three yeah that's true fuck you nick um so also, if you go to the $3 <laughs> tier, you can do our unedited episodes, our unedited video episodes of every episode release. You hate to see it, Drunken Jurors and Jury of Drunken Opinion. All unedited, basically Nick staring at his dick or phone, maybe throwing in a fucking little hot piece of information while Adam and I carry and break our backs, which is actually why I have scoliosis now. It's wild that I've been carrying Nick's fat ass through this podcasting world. Um, oh my god! Joke for everyone that I haven't released on anything yet. So there you go. Jeff yeah. has severe scoliosis. It's great. We'll talk about it in an upcoming podcast. <laughs> yeah, there maybe. We eh, we'll, we'll we'll monetize your pain. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Uh, Nick's useless is basically what we're reading at. Um, That's what the Taskmaster specials are, Nick. Is me monetizing y'all's your pain. (laughs) So, please go review, rate, comment, whatever. Do anything to help us grow. Uh, We also would love to communicate with you, even if it's you telling us that we fucking suck at everything in life. Don't worry. We'll remind you that you also are fucking awful at everything. Please so. personally send me your hate mail. Well, not me, but like the podcaster. And hate Nick's mail. address is... Nick is no. actually the head of the hate mail department on the podcast, so it works out. But outside of that, I mean, rate us, watch the Taskmaster special, join our patron, 
We're we going to do a lot of fun stuff this next year. Uh, continue really listening podcast. also. That's the thing people apparently don't fucking do with this podcast. Juicy boys make juicy noise. What, what was the word I hated the other day? Yolky. 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 I've used that as many a terms after. Nick, do the thing so we can fucking end this and I can go pee finally for the first time since we started recording at 8.30 or 5.30. It's 8.30 now, sorry. Professionals have standards. And Nick's fucking useless to this podcast. Thank you for listening. But we're...